he, you know, people were cooking barbecue in Memphis already. Yep. Uh, his innovation was he mixed it with uh, Greek spices and seasonings. Ooh. And then um, they said it tasted great, but it looked it looked terrible, so they added paprika uh, to make it look red. <laughs> Good morning. This podcast is brought to you by the Charles Vergos Rendezvous, Memphis's premier barbecue restaurant. Stop on down to the Rendezvous for some ribs. I had great Memphis-style ribs at the Rendezvous, a side of mustard slaw and beans, a piece of bread. They're a dry rub rib with a sauce on the side. Great dry rub, really nice nice spice, not too spicy. A nice sweet barbecue sauce. It was quite an experience. Nice, nice, nice deal too. Nice little small rib plate. Delicious ribs. Celebrities go there. It's it's the barbecue place in Memphis. It's the Charles Vergos Rendezvous, and I just so happen to do comedy with a man named Charlie Vergos. Charlie Vergos is an heir to the barbecue fortune that is the Charles Vergos Rendezvous experience. So. That's what we talked about. We talked about him growing up in this family business at the Rendezvous, um, how it started, how it's going, where it's going in the future. They're shipping ribs all over the country and, in some cases, the world through FedEx. They're shipping ribs. So if you want to have these ribs, I bet you can go to charlesvergosrendezvous.com or something, the Charles Vergos Rendezvous in Memphis, and you could probably order them online because Charlie does work in that kitchen sometimes. Shipping ribs. Um, what an interesting experience. What an odd way to grow up in a restaurant in Memphis that is famous uh, for its ribs. So Charlie's got a new album. I got an album, a comedy album called Barbecue Rich. So check out Barbecue Rich on Spotify. Buy it on iTunes. Uh, Barbecue Rich is very funny. It's full of Charlie's very funny jokes. Um, so I talked to Charlie on my way down to Austin. I stopped in St. Louis and in Memphis for a night each, and then I went to Austin. I'm in Austin now. Austin's amazing. I am really am living in a van down by the river here in Austin. The Colorado River. Heard of it? Maybe it made something called the Grand Canyon? Uh, Yeah. So the Colorado River is beautiful, and they block it up. They dam it up with dams, and those dams make lakes so the colorado river is actually it's like ladybird lake all these cool little lakes travis lake lake austin they're all these lakes in the area and so i love i'm i'm a lake person i come from casnovia uh maybe you've heard of it that's my hometown casnovia lake um and i also like lake ontario my camp my grandparents camp we call it we call we call it kevin's camps i don't know why but that's on lake ontario that's another lake heard of lakes anyway so uh, Austin's great for that, uh, and it's pretty warm even in this month of July. So uh, get ready for some Austin stuff coming up. Please rate and review the podcast if you do enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, please rate and review the podcast and lie. Thank you. Um, and uh, if you're listening to the intros, I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in for the journey here. Um, and enjoy my conversation with Charlie Vergos. Take it away, Steve. I, 
I went by the place this this morning. I went by the rendezvous. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went through the the alley. I drove through kind of through downtown Memphis, just kind of around, and I couldn't. I didn't like see it. I don't know what I was imagining. I thought I was imagining like a bigger. Yeah, it doesn't stand out. Fancier place. Yeah. It's in the alley. Yeah, it's in the alley, and it's in a base. And it's in a basement. Okay, so you go downstairs from because also it didn't seem that big. Yeah, it's no, it, it once you go down, uh, like it seats seven hundred and twenty people. What? It didn't. It didn't start that way. Okay. And then they they added into the. It used to be like a separate building, and they just like leased out the basement. Wow. And so, uh, and then but like in, they sold like ham sandwiches there, and then uh, and then it kind of grew. <laughs> and then there, there was then there was there was like the other side of the basement had like an antique shop. Okay. And then. Uh, so the restaurant grew, and then the, there was a fire, and like the and the antique shop uh, just didn't come back. Okay. And so they just expanded into that, and then there was a and then the, there was like a big room upstairs that they use as like the waiting area now. Then there's two more floors to the building, and that's where they just <laughs> that's like that's where it's just I think there's like asbestos up there, so they don't want to. And it's like would be a lot of work to turn it into other things, but like so that's just where like anytime there's any kind of junk in my family, like any, <laughs> any it just ends up there. So it's this weird like time capsule. Like you see, like I guess some like I guess somebody got drunk up there in like the seventies, and there's a bunch of like old Milwaukee cans from like nineteen seventy something. You know, oh, cool. Like, well, there's a lot of uh, like memorabilia uh, when Elvis's doc. So. My dad defended Elvis's doctor in court. After he did Elvis, a lawyer. He was. Oh wow! After Elvis died, it, he wasn't like the. So Elvis's doctor was Doctor Nicopolis, who's Greek. So there's a Greek church connection. The My dad was one of the like yeah. assistant lawyers on. The, he was like a young. Um, his job was to like bring Jerry Lee Lewis into court to like testify uh, as like a character witness or something. But because <laughs> Elvis's doctor was charged with overprescribing Elvis drugs. Gotcha. Uh, but his which he did. Yeah, well, his argument was that Elvis was Elvis, and he was going to get his drugs uh, anywhere he wanted. And so if he refused him, he would just go somewhere else. So what he was trying to do was trying to dilute Elvis's drugs, like Elvis's medications, with placebos without telling Elvis. And so gradually waning, giving him less and less doses. That's good. And so they got him off. Now, in the early 90s, he lost his medical license <laughs> and so like it, and so his medic and, and so when they were like uh they had all this equipment as medical practice and my granddad was like you can well you can store it all up here so like i found this out because i asked why there was a dialysis machine up this there. old dialysis machine <laughs> yeah it could have been elvis's dialysis I mean, this machine. is downtown memphis yeah like near the river it's like right there yeah it's valuable property and they're storing uh, family junk up there it's yeah nice. um yeah, I I mean, but I also like when I moved back here, I needed furniture. I only had a New York's apartment worth of stuff, so it's like, well, you just pick up a bunch of old furniture yeah. shit, you know. <laughs> uh, they're gonna have the antiques roadshow. People go up there and like look because there's just a bunch of just old stuff. Yeah, there's like old clowns and shit. <laughs> is this <laughs> like, the where? Where is the um? You had a joke about your grandpa's old stuff and uh, a yeah. golden rifle. <laughs> yeah. So well, they they lived out in uh, the out in the Eads, which is like. It was out in the country. Now it's becoming more of a suburb. But well, we just had to. What clean. does that stand for? The what is the Eads? Eads. No, it's just the name of a town. It's okay. like a, the town E A D S. Oh, okay. Um, but well, my grandmother just downsized and she just moved into a condo and sold the house. So we had to empty it all out. We had to, like auction it all. It was like. And that all went upstairs, or some of it went upstairs. Um, oh well, a lot of it went to auction. A lot of it was just like 
they gave us first crack at like there was anything we were interested in. Yeah. I found like 1878 history of the yellow fever epidemic here, <laughs> which is uh, pretty Poignant. cool. Yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> Topical. Which we think we had it hard. Uh, <laughs> that had a 50% death rate. Yellow fever. Yeah. In the United States, 1876. Well, yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was a epidemic. It was a pandemic. It was an epidemic because it was mosquito based. So like it was. So like New Orleans had one in like the 1850s, okay. and it was city by city. It wasn't countrywide, but uh, yeah, it looked. It wasn't bad. It was, and then they didn't know what caused it, and they didn't know how to treat it. They didn't uh, even know it was the mosquitoes. Like some of the cures were like ice cream. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't know it was mosquitoes. So this is what was terrifying, is because like, but they knew how fast it progressed. Okay. So like they knew if it was in New Orleans and it was headed towards these towns in Natchez, Grenada, they knew it was, and they knew how fast it moved. It was like. I think it was like uh, it moved at a rate of like like uh, something like 400 meters a week, but slower in the north as the farther north you get from the equator and closer and faster the in the tropics. Oh, that's so funny. So like it was this wave of death that they knew was coming slowly that they didn't and they and the guy one of the doctors said it followed the path of like a tax collector going from house to house and then like and then going down the street because they just but they didn't know what they were you know they would shoot cannons over the river to like keep the bad air out oh like, my god they like they thought they knew they like they think they know something but they don't know everything i mean it's even were, like us with like the we like without hand sanitizer was yeah. the thing for yeah a little while. and like people would like and like after the people had recovered sometimes their skin would start to peel and like it would vomit bile and shit. It oh was, my god! Yeah, so that's the yellow part, right? Is they have so much bile. Yeah, in well, them. I think it, it made your skin turn a little bit yellow. Yeah, too. and they had like jaundice in the eyes. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, so it, it it was nice to have that in perspective. <laughs> also, like, but like, also like underneath a stack of yearbooks, I found like uh, it was like a <clears throat> ceremonial like Colt forty five that was meant to commemorate the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of a transcontinental railroad. Oh wow. A gun? Yeah. For the railroad? Yeah, it came with like a commemorative golden spike. Oh the golden spike. Yeah. The golden spike was for the middle the first, you know, to join the two east yeah, and west. I got a, I got one of those antique like telephones out of it. Like, like a the, one Hello, hello. Ahoy hoy. One yeah. to your ear and one to your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like, yeah, there was a lot more of that going on, uh, which is, yeah. Do you have a huge family in Memphis? How big is the, are the Varagoses? Uh, here? well, there's my, uh, well, it depends on, like, are you talking immediate or extended? Extended. Extended, yeah, because, well, there's, uh, my great granddad had four sons. Okay. And then my grandmother came over. She's got, like, sisters and stuff. So I have... I have second cousins on both sides that I'm very closer with than some of my first cousins on my mom's side. Okay, and they're here, and they're here, and yeah, in they're Memphis. all they're all in Memphis. Like Christmas all. would usually be a big, big thing. Christmas would just be like my immediate family of like my grandmother and but then like, Greek Christmas. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Greek Easter is a big thing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's like church ways, but there's also like second cousins like my dad's my dad's first cousins also started their own restaurant oh really yeah what kind of restaurant it was, uh, it was kind of like uh, i mean it definitely has greek dishes but it's also kind of more like a steakhouse um what's but, it called uh jim's place jim's place and it was, he was my great granddad's first cousin he was the first person to get to memphis started jim's place and that was able to pay for everybody else to come over from the village oh so, wow yeah from the village yeah in greece yeah now my grand so my granddad came over well he was born here but then my grandmother was came over when she was 21. Their marriage was arranged, and 
Uh, so she had like a thick Greek accent. My granddad had like a foghorn. And your granddad accent. is Charles Vergos. Yeah. 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 He had a foghorn, like but like he a also foghorn was, leghorn accent. But he also was fluent in Greek. So yeah. And, but, and she was off the boat Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you can imagine the conversations they would have might go a little something like this. Hey, now. I know, I know we both miss stand-up, but we can, we can, mix. <laughs> we can dispense with the setups, I know. I have been getting a little goofier in conversation. Oh, God, I've been doing bits with uh, like grocery store checkout people. I love like, that kind of bit. Oh, my God. I've been. I've, I, I can't wait to stop doing bits in person. To like, I know where they go. I've been being funny with coworkers and shit. It's so bad. They yeah. go, "Good morning," and you go, "Well, it's certainly morning." Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. And they and you laugh. You get a laugh. You get a laugh out of them. It's pretty good. Yeah, I, I forgot what it's like to need to be funny. Again. Exactly. Like, There's no New York outlets. is so exhausting in terms of like. Oh, oh yeah. God, be funny again. Oh like, man. Yes, you left. I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, you left from New York ar- around March. You were just saying, and you yeah. came right down here. That was the plan A. Yeah, well, I mean, so I was timing it. I mean, the timing-wise, like, I had just, I, I had my album in the can. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're I one had, of these like, lucky people who I, had the album in the can. I mean, yeah, like. and so, like, I was able to, like, it gave me, like, a project to work on at the beginning, like, edit it and, like, you know. Fantastic. It, illustrate the album cover. You did the, you did the album cover yourself? Yeah. Oh, way to yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, I have an art degree, and I nice to, like to use it sometimes. Um, but, <laughs> like. Yeah, and so like it gave me like a project to work on because I moved back in with my parents first. First off, and they're here in Memphis. Yeah, the they're city. about a half mile away from this place. Okay, uh, but I couldn't do that for too long just because how know, long like, are you? I, there? Like I would be in there like illustrating my album cover and with like my headphones in, and like I would hear like a knock on the door, you know, and and, and I'd be like, yeah, and she's like, Charlie, are you in there? I was like, yeah, okay, just just wanted to know where you were. <laughs> You're and you're in the middle of a flow state. You're figuring something yeah. out. You have to take the headphones out. Yeah, <laughs> I, had to, I had to pause the podcast I was listening yep. to. Yeah. What yep. time's dinner? Yeah. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. Yeah. Well, what do you want? Well, I ended up getting a bad sleep schedule just because, like, I would because like midnight to like three was like my quiet time. <laughs> oh my god, I have this exact same thing where I like I like being up early in the morning. I kind of like being that guy who like I was I was up first thing this morning yeah. and I have coffee and I'm getting things done. But if you if you wake up at my house anytime after seven o'clock, someone's yeah. are, someone's one cup of coffee ahead of you. Yeah. Oh, especially New York was the one. Oh. The, 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 you had to wait for the roommate in the kitchen to like finish <laughs> cooking his long ass meal. <laughs> He was like slow cooking Brussels sprouts or something, <laughs> and just always just rattling dishes, just like spoons clanking. And it's I like, like to have yeah, on, like that first half hour. I feel like I need to have no one be talking to me ideally. And like yeah. that first, if you wake up and your parents are like, "Hey, you know what I was thinking?" And it's like it's seven thirty. Yeah. So I changed it to like you're saying, like I'm waking up at nine and ten o'clock. Yeah. I'm staying up until two or three because right then I'm watching. Watch, watch a movie with them, then I watch a movie for me. Yeah. Or like that I'm doing a little project for a couple hours. You yeah. Can, yeah. Quiet time. Exactly. Oh. Uh, so, like, yeah, I definitely had, like, a bad sleep schedule. And also, I didn't, you know, I was living, I, I didn't have a job right off the bat. So, like. You become a moody, you're, like you're like a moody teenager again. You're yeah. sleeping until noon. I have this, like, you're eating their food, well, that's complaining I mean. about that stuff. That was part of my joke is how much I've, like, everybody, it seems like a lot of people have just, like, regressed. Absolutely. You know, so like my first like like in the summer I managed, I was like, oh, after spending a summer like working part time as a family business, like not going to bars, jumping in lakes (laughs) and playing Zelda and AC. It's like I'm finally ready to start high school again. (laughs) Oh, God, I've been I've been like using this time to go through my old journals. Oh, God. And okay, so 
you know, the last month I was working back at the shipping kitchen where we ship ribs. Over shipping there. ribs all over the yeah, damn world. FedEx, 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 FedEx is ribs. in Memphis, and you know it's an asset. <laughs> uh, and and uh, there's these two da- dudes there named Pat and Bud who've been working there, and like I, I saw them yesterday, uh, and. And I was looking through my old journal, my entry from December 11th, 2010. Uh, I had just got, I did like one of those semesters abroad, and I had come back, and I was in, waiting for my next semester. And I was working at the shipping kitchen, and I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, started back at the shipping kitchen today. God, that's awful work. Uh, spent most of the day telling Pat and Bud about my trip. <laughs> and it's like I'm so glad there wasn't a way that. I could know exactly what I'll be doing 10 years later to the day. To the day. Talking to the same two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Pat and Bud. Yeah. <laughs> so you never, did you ever work in the kitchen or the, the, the dining room? Not like uh, I, I worked at, I worked, uh, I worked at the bar back and a cashier and a dishwasher and busboy. <laughs> just just those yeah. yeah so like was that like your whole since you were able to work is that uh i started busing tables when i was about 11 11 it, it was like weekends or like uh summers winters um whenever there was like a rush and the you know they needed like extra work but they want to hire a whole new person right you know and they pay um, you something yeah i would get paid <laughs> that's the thing is like starting work when you're like 11 i like i i get along with like people in their mid 40s very well because like they were also working. They're also getting their first jobs then. So yeah. like, I was working when there was still smoking sections. No uh, when way. When minimum wage was five fifteen an hour. Oh my god. There has still had like uh, cigarette cart, like disposable like cigarette vending machines and shit. In the restaurant. Yeah. Or nearby. In, in the restaurant. In the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Cigarette yeah. Machines. So like, I remember a whole different era. Like, I I, I can be part of mid forties nostalgia, even though I'm only like thirty one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, did you like working there right away? Um, a little, I mean, it was, I, you know, I, it was definitely, I, I, you know, I, it was busting tables, but yeah. at the same time, like it was kind of exciting. Cause like, you know, you weren't, you were part, you were in the adult world, yeah. you know, yeah. like sometimes, sometimes like famous people would come in. Uh, cause it, it's like the place it's the barbecue. It's the barbecue in Memphis. Yeah. And also it was just in like a location that like, if you're visiting Memphis, it'll be a walk generally walking distance. Cause, uh, so like a little bit. So my granddad started in like the, so the restaurant started in like 1948 and I thought uh, it was the fifties. Well, they moved to the current location in the fifties. Oh but, wow! Like, okay, uh, so when they say it's established in nineteen fifty, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But like, um, but after Martin Luther King was assassinated here, uh, a lot of a lot of business fl- fled to the suburbs, and downtown was kind of. He was empty. assassinated in Memphis. Uh-huh. Oh, I never even. Wow. Yeah, that's why the uh, National Civil Rights Museum is here. Oh, it wow. was built around the hotel, the motel he was assassinated at. Oh my God! Yeah. Okay, so what did that do? Sorry. Um, the guy who assassinated him, by the way, was not from Memphis, although like, we weren't we weren't completely guiltless, but, <laughs> um, but like, uh, and so like the only and and but my granddad was like a stubborn guy, and he kind of kept the restaurant in downtown. Okay, so places were moving. Yeah, and so like, like it was said that like if you were in down like in the seventies, if you were in downtown Memphis, um, uh, you were either like in jail. There's the jail is also in downtown. You were either oh, wow. in jail or looking for the rendezvous <laughs> and so like all the tour beale street was kind of a ghost town at the time wow. the peabody hotel which is like it was uh not in use um and then like in the 80s that's when like they built a minor league ballpark 
Well, in the early 90s, they built a minor league ballpark next to the restaurant. I saw that. Beale Street comes back. Uh, Peabody comes back. They built FedEx Forum nearby. And so, like, all of a sudden, now it's in the middle of this big where a lot of tourists would go. Even though it wasn't before. Okay, yeah, so they probably so, had a good deal on the, the yeah, good yeah, deal and so on the like mortgage. And, yeah, and so like uh, you know, like as a lot of you know, you'd see like you know NBA players and shit, and like uh, Justin Timberlake is like a was like one of the people coming down. Like um, cool, yeah, um, or just like whoever's in town for like a concert, you know, who's performing at the forum. Uh, What's the uh, the park called? Oh no, the the forum. Uh, well, that that's the basketball arena. Okay. The park is AutoZone Park. The AutoZone Park, yeah. which that's like just down the block. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we sold barbecue nachos there for a while. In then the they park. changed nacho vendors, and uh, they tried to do it in house, and people hated those nachos. And but and they kept tweeting at me about Nacho Gate because they because I'm like because my granddad put his name in the restaurant, so that when they say Charlie, you know. It's Charles Vergos Rendezvous, but that is your full name, is Charles It Vergos. goes back and forth. Uh, oh, really? They, and actually, this, the, na- the last name is spelled two different ways on both sides of the sign. So on one side, it says Vergos, V-E-R-G-O-S. The other side, it says V-E-R-G-O apostrophe S. <laughs> but your last name is not Vergo. It's no. Vergos. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like... Apostrophes uh, are a big problem for a lot of people in English. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, and and so I was like, "Y'all, Nacho Gate's not my fight." Uh, <laughs> You're getting I was in tweets. Chicago. Oh. You're getting tweets for Nacho Gate. Yeah. Um. So wait. Okay. So wait. So uh, your granddad started the restaurant. What do you know about that time? Like, what was what's the legend? What are the legends about the the origins of the rendezvous? Well, he was in uh. So he he was in, he was in World War Two. Uh, he was one of the people. Uh, he, he was in Europe for a while and then uh, got transferred to the Philippines. And he was part of the invasion that would have happened had they not nuked Japan. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> controversial decision, dropping the atomic bomb. Certainly. My granddad would have been the one to invade had they not. And pro- so, like, you know, uh, it's one of those, like, complex shit kind of absolutely things. yeah but when he was in like europe you know he saw paris and like saw these like restaurants and like um and kind of like started planning you know make that's where he kind of like got the idea for like doing and restaurant, restaurants are know. kind of a greek immigrant thing too. yeah it, and yeah it, and he had a chip on his shoulder because his, his dad's cousin first cousin was the successful one who started the restaurant his dad started his jim's own, like, place yeah meat Art. market but like it wasn't jim's place you know okay and so uh and so, he, you know, people were cooking barbecue in Memphis already. Yep. Uh, his innovation was he mixed it with uh, Greek spices and seasonings. Ooh. And then um, they said it tasted great, but it looked it looked terrible, so they added paprika uh, to make it look red. <laughs> and uh, it looked all brown. It was, it was it was not just Greek spices, but he also took a trip to New Orleans, and so there was like a Cajun influence there too. Yum. And so, uh, and you that, sound you seem kind of Cajun. I mean, I, I went to school down there. So, okay, there you yeah. go. You have a Cajun vibe. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a young, old James Carville. Uh, I believe that. Santa Claus comes in nine alligators instead of reindeer and shit, <laughs> and wearing a uh, muskrat costume. <laughs> that's that's the Cajun myth, by the way. It's, uh, it's like a whole other country down there. I gotta, like, like, I all, go. like the, and the alligators have their own names. Like, uh, like it's like uh, not Donner and Blitzen. No, it's like uh, Pierre and now say and like T Boy. T Boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. So, uh, sorry. So, 
the he, paprika, whatever. Yeah. It starts. It was it, it was going well for a little while until MLK got killed there. Oh, uh, well, then it went viral. I guess I, it did. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in terms like, of like the 1950s viral, like, yeah. Oh, people liked it. You know. <laughs> okay, it went well. Yeah, it started um, hitting. Yeah, I think there was something about. In there the was 70s. no like bad period where it was like it was tough at first. Uh, I mean, he was selling ham sandwiches at first, but like okay. it, it, um, Abe Plow, the guy who started sharing Plow, the <laughs> pharmaceutical company. Oh wow! Um, I think the guy about he was the one who lent who uh, leased out the basement to okay. my granddad, but. Uh, he like, uh, I think there was something in the seventies where like they did well because Memphis had some rule where you couldn't serve alcohol from any place you could see from the street, and there were a basement, oh. and so like a bunch of old Miss frat boys would go up there and just get drunk, like, and like Delta airline pilots I think would get drunk down there. <laughs> um, so they had there was something I I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but there's something like that because. Uh, my dad's cousin said he used to bar back and they would go through like 22 kegs a night in the 70s. Okay, so they're know? doing a lot of business yeah. just in beer. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think that got us through the 70s. Um, so, but like, uh, yeah. And now it's, I mean, it's, it's had a, it's been hard, life, but we've managed to get through it. Partly because the shipping business picked up. That is such a weird uh, concept that you clued me into is that you were working in the shipping kitchens. People are buying these ribs all over the world. Yeah, we pack it with dry ice. So they. Oh, keep- no, no, just in the United States. Although there's some hope that because FedEx is shipping the vaccine, uh, they had to make a lot of improvements to their cold storage supply chain. So there's a potential <laughs> that like they could be because you had to ship them overnight right now, which means it's like a hundred dollars a box, but. If you can get two to three day shipping, then you can lower the price and also keep them cold long enough to get through customs in Canada or like the Bahamas or like Mexico or Europe. So I thought you did one to Australia. Did you, you didn't go? Yeah, well, we did, but that was a special circumstance because the amba- U.S. ambassador to Australia was from Memphis, and he like there was like a lot of there was a lot of red tape that he cut through, <laughs> and so they had like a Fourth of July party that we catered. One time. <laughs> I mean, I, they catered. I was uh, seventeen. <laughs> that's the legend that I heard. Um, yeah. So uh, you work and you they ship them all over the country, and that does that that. That does as good a business as like the restaurant. No, but it's getting us through it. Wow. Uh, oh, for right now, especially. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's keep it's keeping like we were able to keep all the. Uh, so everybody who works there gets health and uh, health insurance on a month's paid vacation. A month. Yeah. Paid vacation. Although the f- two weeks you have to take at the beginning of the year. Oh my god. Uh, because that's when they like close down after Christmas after okay. New Year's. But but uh, you get paid. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm in a special circumstance, but like, <laughs> uh, but like everybody who's like full time, you know. Um, that's great. And so like, um, yeah. So that's like, so all the waiters who haven't been getting as much work, you know, uh, have been like helping like pack boxes and stuff because that's picked up. So, wow. um, I mean, we had in person dining for a while. Um, we didn't have any like there were cases, but I think the problem was, you know, there's 120 employees, something like that, and a lot of people were just getting cases at home. Yeah. Because like, it seemed like when the, like first case we had, everybody who at the restaurant got tested, and uh, and so like, you had like, I think three people tested positive, but they didn't work close to each other. They didn't get it from work. Yeah. yeah so that meant like our system seemed to be working. Our like you know social distancing system and like reduced capacity seemed to be working. Everybody's wearing masks and stuff. Um, but 
we just couldn't keep people from getting it at home. So, we, okay. so we like reshut down. Then we open, we're able to open back up and through Christmas, and it's everything to have gotten through without any like catastrophe. But now we're excited to go back to takeout and get PPP money until this thing. Gotcha. So there's no yeah. more in-person dining. Yeah. Hooters is doing in-person dining here. Why would they do that? <laughs> well, because there's, there's, it's no good. I guess I guess out. it is an ambiance-related business. <laughs> there's no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw an, a, a freaking billboard for Hooters takeout. I think that's like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Yeah, is this your first time in Memphis? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, you should. This isn't like the most scenic part of the time of the year, because like. The weather, the winters here are bad, but it's all deciduous trees, so it's all you just see a bunch of like bare, you know, dead dead trees right now. But, yeah, what's uh, the yeah? What's the best time of year? Um, usually, I mean, it's May or like uh, May's kind of when like it hasn't gotten like wildly hot yet, but like you, all the green still the greenery is still like fresh, and there's like a bunch of parties and stuff. Um, I mean, March is pretty good, but March is usually rainy, but uh, you know, I, I uh, in the fall is fine. Nice. Uh, but May, I think May is kind of everybody's favorite. What's your relationship to Memphis? Like, how do you feel about this city? I mean, like, I, I, I liked growing up here. Uh, I, um, I mean, part of that was part of the reason I wanted, uh, like, I moved back from New York very quickly because I was already on the fence about moving back. Yeah. Um, like, I, you're thinking about moving back to Memphis regardless. Yeah. Okay. I was about sixty forty. Um, Pre-pandemic. I, yeah. Also, yeah. I just started dating someone here long distance like two oh. months before okay yeah nice. uh we're still you know Great. but it, it was actually a little bit like i told her i was moving back and she kind of got panicked i was like no, no no there's this whole pandemic thing coming i will be it's not this isn't about this and you said it was march 12th it was that week where it was like some people were like oh we are well done. no this was I, I came back uh in february to Think like kind of to talk moving back over okay Cause I was like, cause again, I was looking for tour guide jobs, and so I was like, well, comedy and tourism might be bad. I didn't know how bad it was going to get, but yeah, yeah. I knew because I was like sixty forty on. And my other big plan was I was going to do the Edinburgh Comedy Festival this nice. year. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, and so like, well, if my, all my plans, my whole plan for this year is gone, why am I going to keep paying, you know, rent and uh, you know? And I like my. Uh, my roommates were fine. Uh, one of them, Lindsay Lucido, is one of them. Yeah, uh, the other two, I just didn't know well enough to quarantine with them. Yeah, true. Um, you have to trust them. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And so uh, I was like, well, let me. Lindsay would have been great. Lindsay's a great quarantiner, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> she's, she's really well, she, good. She was, she was staying in Chicago. She had, she, had, she had gone back to visit, and their parents were like, actually, we're going to have you stay here yeah. for a while. So she was gone indefinitely. Yeah. Um, and so, like. Uh, well, that's my that's my last. I was gonna give it another year there, but like, well, if my, why would I stay here if that's going to be my, the whole appeal of New York is so the crowd. Crazy. So but part crazy. of the reason, like, I want is like, I like doing stand up there, but like, I kind of felt it felt a little bit irresponsible just because like, there's so much talent in New York that yep. like, and there's so few people who give a shit about any of it. I know that it's like, but and you go on the road, but people genuinely appreciate it. So it's like, well, let's. I would like to maybe go where talent people would like to have more comedic talent come through. Absolutely. And so like, because uh, you go on the road and like you go to some of these small towns and like people will thank you. Like it feels like you're doing community service. So, like <laughs> thank you for we we need this. You know, having people say shit like that and they like identify with it. And like I I remember I did a show in Huntsville. I had some like line about uh, some reference to Animal Farm. 
and that's the only literary reference I made in my entire set. And, and some girl comes up to me. She's like, oh, I really enjoyed your set. I read books, too. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so, like, I think it's uh, – and, and so I've been feel, feeling a little bit – like feeling guilty about, like, my part in brain drain, you know? Brain uh, drain from the – You know, just, like, people – like, <laughs> the smart people coming up from, like – you know, the middle of the country to like the coast. Oh, gotcha. You know? Oh, leaving the smart people leaving the cities. Yeah. Okay, right. And so, like, um, and so part of me was like, well, and you gotta I, let go of the mic. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. You gotta let go. Oh, okay, sorry. That'll like, it like, that's why I bought these whole things. It's like these, mm. uh, fucking, there's this noise <laughs> I cannot get rid of through editing. Uh, um, yeah, I was I had to trust. It looked like it might start tipping over. I know. There's a, also the weight issue. I need to get. I, I have a history with piano mics, uh, <laughs> not doing well. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the angle. But like, uh, and and so and also both my sisters are here. I have nieces and nephews that I you know want to see grow up. And That's awesome. Also, it's also cheap to live. I was using so much before I moved. Like by the time I moved here, I moved five times in the last eighteen months. In New York. Yeah. Well. There was uh, three times in New York and then back to my parents and then here. Oh, my God. Uh, and yeah. so I was just using so much, like, creative energy on paying rent. Um, yes. Paying, like, health care. It's exhausting. Yeah. You know, uh, moving. And, like, you never know when your landlord's going to sell the place and it's going to be turned, you know, completely renovated or something. You're just going to get kicked out. So, like. And, you, yeah, it's really hard to be underemployed in New York. Yeah. And you want to be underemployed if you want to be a good comedian. You want to be, you know, unemployed or underemployed is ideal. Yeah. Um, and so like, uh, and so like, yes, here, and then I started just looking, my girlfriend owns a house here and like just hearing her talk about like what the home ownership process is like, oh, it's not as daunting as I thought it was. Yeah. You just, uh, and the monthly payments are like about rent for the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yep. so I was like, and so I'm still in the process of like looking for a house here, but like that stays, you know, cause I remember in 2018, I booked this huge tour. Or I was gone for over a month, and I subletted my place, and I worked really. It was, I, I took three months to book it, you know, um, and like I made the numbers work, and I made a profit. And at the end of that all, all that, I gave it to my landlord. <laughs> to oh yeah, right. <laughs> you know exactly. You know, so for it's rent. Like, yeah. Here I could do that, but at least it would go towards a mortgage, and I would still keep an asset. Yeah. And so it's like and now you know I'm, I turned thirty one last June, so it's like. You know, you see, I've seen comedians in their 40s, and I want to, and I want to make it look good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, because there's, there's still, like, definitely, like, things in comedy I wanted to do in New York that I didn't get to do, but also, like, you know, you see, you see plenty of stories of, like, guys doing the Tonight Show, and then the next day, like, they're, the guy whose dog they're walking is, hey, I saw you, saw you on TV last night, you <laughs> know? know. Um, New York is... Tough, I like even. I mean, and I still had that. You know, I just want to release my album. I, I did the thing where like I manipulated it and got number one on iTunes for like. Congratulations, number one, number one <laughs> on like my two days. iTunes. Yeah. Listen, no one but comedians, and not even all comedians, know that that's juicing the stats. That yeah. That's like, I mean, it's true, but it's not true. I mean, it, it, but it was kind of fun. I mean, I know exactly what happened and why it was there, but it was still kind of fun to see like my artwork and like my at the top of iTunes started so ahead cool. of like Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, and, like, yeah. And then, 
But like that day, you sold more with the pre-orders. You sold more that day than Jim Gaffigan sold of Obsessed. And then and then it dipped for a second, but then I got some press, and it would have gone back up to the top. But Carl Reiner died, and so everybody started buying Carl Reiner's albums. But it didn't. It didn't. But it beat a couple Carl Reiner Carl Carl Reiner albums. It just. But it got it back up to number two because I got some press here. Oh my. Okay. Uh, the press I got here, there's a, one of the local newspapers like ran a thing about it, but they ran it in the food section. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Was it, was it like, it was like a barbecue album. It was like oh, a, a, a barbecue albums came out. <laughs> oh no. But it's not about barbecue. <laughs> I mean, it's in the title it's, and I, I definitely like, I oh yeah. What's, what's the title what again? Let's go. The title is barbecue rich. Barbecue. Rich. Yeah. <laughs> That's your family is barbecue rich. Yeah. Uh, which is different than, yeah, I like that bit. Yeah. Different yeah. than, than regular was, rich. It was a hard bit to write because like, you know, it's one of the, I don't want to say easy cause that would be, but it's definitely a more accessible perspective to write. I grew up broke. I totally agree. Of course. You know, yeah. then, cause I definitely had like a bit of privilege, but I definitely had a, it was a weird enough upbringing that I remember feeling different enough that like, oh, that, you know, that it's like, well, this isn't, this is weird still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's still worth commenting on. Yeah. Yeah. It's still worth hearing about. Yeah. Um, fucking barbecue rich. And so it, it was going well, uh, when you're growing up and was, and everyone obviously, uh, knew you as related to this restaurant because it shares your yeah, name. Yeah, it's it's like it's like if uh, somebody started doing comedy and their name was Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're telling a story one time about like you set up for the the mic and it'd be like, okay, is Charlie Vergo yeah, here? Yeah, my first mic in Memphis. The guy thought it was a fake name. <laughs> Uh, well, also because like a, uh, a lot of the employees at the restaurant are black, and like so, some of the employees are featured on the menu. So like a couple people thought Charlie Vergos was like an old black man. Oh and yeah. So like, like why would it? You know. Why would it be this? Guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the employees are featured on the menu. Uh, I mean, like a lot of yeah. As far as like, because a lot of again, health insurance and a month's pay vacation, it's a pretty good gig, and so like a lot of guys work there for decades. So like, oh, they're part nice. of like the th- you know. Uh, two people retired after like um, combined like a hundred something years. They were like 50, they both been there for like fifty years. Oh my god! Uh, they retired, you know. So like it's like a good you know people uh, send their kids to college and buy a house with it. So yeah, it's good money. Um, so your dad, your dad was after your grandpa stopped doing it. Was your dad like the main guy? How does it my work? My dad, my aunt, my uncle co-ran it. Dad, um, aunt, and uncle. So your your grandpa's three kids. Yeah. And he only has three. Yeah. Oh, great. So yeah. there, there. I know there was some trouble or whatever. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's a family business. It's drama. Yeah. Uh, right. But like, uh, yeah, and so now my both my sisters are involved there. They're like salaried. Involved. Yeah, um, they also started their own business together, which is different. It's like a it's like a children's art business. Oh, cool! Um, but uh, so they kind of split time between the two. But like my oldest sister's like become like the lawyer do, is doing all the lawyer stuff there. Is she a lawyer? Yeah. Oh wow! I'm I'm from a lawyer family as well. So wait, how did your dad? Did your dad get into law knowing he was going to be like helping out the restaurant eventually? <laughs> right. Oh, well, he, he had that idea, and then when he graduates law school, he kind of talked to his granddad. Oh, we already got a lawyer. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you don't go to law school just to get one client. That's your dad. Well, I mean, the, well, he had that idea, but then he already I guess got a lawyer. Just, they, 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 there were some communication issues, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you had told me before I went to law school for three years that I wasn't going to be the lawyer yeah. for the restaurant that I own. Yeah. So, uh, so what kind of law did he do, or what did he do? Uh, I don't, defended Elvis's doctor, <laughs> <laughs> etc. Yeah, I mean, well, he uh, he did a lot of work. Um, There's like a big, the largest uh, urban park in America is in Memphis. It was a formal penal. It was a formal uto- former utopian community, and then turned into a penal farm, like or like prison labor farm. Whoa. And then and then it got turned into an actual park, and they were gonna try to put some development through it, build like a road. And uh, my dad was like part of the, like the don't keep it green, don't build houses in the shit. Nice. So he did What's that. it called? Uh, Shelby Farms. Shelby Farms. Uh, they were gonna try to make it into a like a wildlife preserve for a little bit, and so they brought a bunch of buffalo in, uh, bison, <laughs> and uh, but then the, the plans fell through. But now there's just herd of bison out there. Oh really? Yeah, we oh. used to run across country out there, and like the bison kind of run with us. It was kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so your dad did end up like running the business, even though he was a lawyer. Mm. And it was there like pressure on you to take up the mantle, or your sisters seemed like they did it. There was more no than pressure you. from them, from my family, but there was always like I I do remember people being like I, I wanted to be in the NBA when I was in like cool. middle school. Well, you're pretty you're tall now. Yeah. But you were were you tall then? Yeah, well, also I got held back in kindergarten too. So like I was like six two, uh, so I was like five eleven in eighth grade. You yeah. Know? Um, and then well in high school I was also like an kind of serious about art, and so like when people asked me what I wanted to do, I was like NBA like, or like later on in art. They're like, because the, people would be like, people at the restaurant would be like, so you're gonna be the next Mr. Charlie down here. And, uh, <laughs> I would be like, well, I'm kind of into art. And, you know, oh God, they would look so disappointed. And I was like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You're, you're sitting on a gulp, you know. like. Uh, so, like, yeah. It was, it's but, your birthright. It's your namesake. But at the same time, it's like uh, I got, like, a scholarship for college and stuff. And really? Like, yeah. For art or no, for basketball? For, uh, or for <laughs> because, uh, for neither. Her, because Hurricane Katrina – hit new orleans and by 2008 they were all their alumni had donated a bunch of money to like bribe kids to coming back to new orleans yeah nice and so like i got i i guess i benefited from hurricane katrina uh because <laughs> they were just giving money to everybody who like applied oh that's uh, great and so like, I where'd mean, you I, go I was, like smart i went to tulane oh great um and so like because i wasn't in accruing debt from that i was like kind of just like st- took what I studied what I want and kind yeah. of and started doing stand so like not having student loans and stuff is the only reason I was able to do stand up you know so um there was never like any kind of pressure that way and so like I wasn't in anybody's pocket yeah yeah <laughs> and so I could kind of do what I want and also I think my argument to them was that like the whole reason my granddad started the restaurant was because he probably has the same like stubbornness that I have yeah his own ability to his, you know want to do his own thing so it's like I'm have the same now. Mine hasn't turned out as successful as that, but uh, you know. But I don't know. Even when we were talking about like doing sketches or whatever, or yeah. like in New York, you'd be like, "I don't do that," I don't, or like you're like, "I do it on my own," but I wouldn't do it with people. I don't like trust them. You know, you don't want to work yeah, with people. Exactly. It's a I group mean, project. That's also the thing about New York is like I, I think I learned what I wanted more out of stand up and what I liked, and what I didn't like doing stand up is posting my tweets to Instagram. You know, right. Like, right. I didn't like doing all that extra like office work, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't like, um, you know, sending out like 
just like making spreadsheets of bookers booking requests yeah like the weird the weird work of being a comedian yeah kissing kissing the ass of people like bookers who send you emails in comic sans ms (laughs) (laughs) and showing face at the right place i I, I hear that i guess cindy's left zanies but (laughs) (laughs) comic sans and so like uh and there's enough fun comedy to want to do on your own terms here out here so like um and so like Again, if I can have cheaper living expenses, if I can be around people I grew up with, and also be like closer to, there's not many comedians in Memphis. It's like a different perspective. Yeah. Writing, you know. Yeah. How is the scene locally? I mean, it's good. They have a good festival. It's it's become like when I started, it wasn't. It was like the same twelve guys in in a room three nights a week. Uh, like it was like a little petri dish of like of like no influence. Like I remember this was like in like 2010. I remember I left. I was doing it in college, and I would come back in winters and summers and breaks and stuff to do it in Memphis. And uh, I remember leaving in like January of 2010. Some guy had like a really good joke about Snuggies, and uh, and then I came back three months later, and then everybody just had different jokes about Snuggies. Wow. Yeah, because there wasn't like much, but it's like, and, like people didn't really know how to get get in touch with Memphis people, like the outside com- comedy scene. Yeah. Well, because that's also like that was like that first com- right at the beginning of that first comedy boom, like when as far as when we started doing it. Yeah. There was like people. There was a bunch of people out of work from the recession, and so a lot of people were starting to go do stand up. Uh, there was a lot of podcast and teaching saying, like, "Oh, this is how you do stand up." Yep. And so that's when like a lot of scenes started to grow and so then like you know a guy in new orleans would get in touch with people in memphis and then then people knew how to like send each other back to each city and then people from chicago would come through and and so we started making these connections and the festival people every city started to have its own festival, festival in like 2012 and so like but because of that like now there's like a scene you know there's a comedy is like an accepted thing to do on a regular on like a weeknight here Wow, um, so it's you know, really grown then. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's like something like people in like an office like oh, like I heard two people like man I can't wait for comedy to come back just like two people <laughs> like walking down the street <laughs> regular people yeah and the, yeah. the shows here were like good but like you, you didn't have the access to the same level of talent you had in New York and Chicago but like you'd still have enough that people would be entertained by it and yeah so, they'd like the whole thing yeah and yeah and so this this idea of like well I have these connections to very talented comedians like the and who aren't famous. And I'm telling you, you know, the funniest people, most of them aren't on TV. And so they're also cheaper. Yep. And so here I have resources to be able to start putting together, you know, start running shows and maybe eventually start a club. To So and I have connections to food. Yeah, which is that's how and there's clubs recipes really that we don't have kitchen space for at the restaurant. So, oh, so like, the, what do you mean? Like there's like uh, like there's certain like they do barbecue chicken drummings very well, but they don't have like they need a different kind of cooking appliance for it. And there's, you know, it's a basement and that's been there for over a hundred year building. They so, have their system. Yeah. yeah but they and have, there's, there's no space to like add new kitchen space, you know, has this been brought up, uh, in the family, uh, circles officially at all? Your yeah. Thoughts? I mean, I'm, I'm telling them that for a couple of years, I'm telling people I want to build like a email lists. I want to start producing shows and build an email list first. So that if I have to put money behind it, I've already done the marketing, right? So. The marketing. Yeah. Um, and, I see that as like, you know, because like it's like my act was good. Yeah. I was good at stand up, but I feel like this is something that only I, you know, that I can do better than anybody else is like bring con- 
good comedy to you know you have the context right and you can and you know yeah. how they should be run on the comedian side at least yeah. but you have a good idea because yeah. i also like the comedy world you know i like um and i like performing too but like um it's i i don't want to like need to perform you know <laughs> To eat, yeah, need yeah. To I, I don't want to have to rely on it. I, I also think it's. I also enjoy it more when it's a day job. Like you know, those times I've done it like as like a full, you know, whether while I was on seasonal unemployment, yeah, you know, or like done these full roads. It, it is. It becomes the job you hate if you try to do it at a non-famous level. Yes, yes. Like when totally. you see people like at our level try to do it, they, you can do it, but you can't turn down any gig. You have to. You have to take every booking request from. Some from a guy who calls himself Crane's Butter, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Mustangs. Yeah, you have to go to a Bear slash Packers bar on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. <laughs> I remember you were like, "Perform for the guy with the mohawk." That's a border town. Yeah. Border towns are trouble. You said that <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. A border town. No one good lives in the border ta- border town. Well, I mean, well, border border is just where all the shit is like all the. All like the industry based off of cheap gas and firework laws and gun <laughs> laws are. It's not the best. Not the cream of the crop. Yeah. Not the cream of the crop there. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, there's that. Um, so like that, that's kind of also why the move happened. Now yeah. I'm, I'm also very excited though to like go back to New York and to go back to Chicago when this is all done and like say I'm, I'm telling myself like I'm telling myself I gonna be i'll be able to start doing outdoor shows again in like march yeah um and like maybe by like june be able to like feel comfortable just like go on a road trip somewhere but i have you done any shows i did like an outdoor show in denver um and that's really it um oh i did an outdoor one in chicago too i did the stoop show yeah um but that just felt it felt like a little novelty but also it felt um, like going right back. Have you done any outdoor shows? I did one. So weird, right? I did. <laughs> well, this wasn't. It didn't feel like going back to it. This was a. I was booked to do a. Uh, it was a backyard show. It, I was booked to do the company, re, be entertainment for the company retreat of a budget funeral home. <laughs> Not the good funeral home. <laughs> the budget. Well, funeral. I think the guy who owns like several funeral homes, but this is for the specifically like the his newest business was the budget funeral home, <laughs> uh, which is good business to be, you know. And uh, I mean, I th- they pay me five hundred dollars. <laughs> hey, so that's that. I mean, yeah, like... and, and the set wasn't bad, but it definitely was work. Yeah, I bet. You know, it's 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 a show that wasn't like you know you there's shows like if you book to do like comedy works in Denver or like do that show out in Boulder that they do. I do like, it for free. See why? Yeah, that was like oh my god, I can't wait to do the, you know CYSK Brooklyn. Absolutely. You know, like those are shows that are like oh man, this is gonna be fun. This is why I get into comedy. Uh, this wasn't that, but <laughs> I did. They had seemed to have a good time and. Uh, whew. <laughs> <laughs> I was I hated I, I don't want to go back to doing that but like uh, uh I was I was booked to do two shows I've been booked twice to do shows that have been canceled because coronavirus got bad enough uh I was booked to do a show a backyard show in late June but then uh the DL Hewley thing happened at Zany's Oh, he passed out. Yeah, he passed, passed out on out. stage and then tested positive for COVID. Oh, Remember? man. Yeah. In Chicago, right? In Nashville. Oh, in that, Zane's Nashville. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I was booked to do a show Saturday night, but like we had a new health directive. Tennessee's been bad lately, and so okay. we had a new health directive. And I did. I forgot to check in with the person, but I forgot about the show. 
<laughs> and they never said anything to me, so I yeah. assume it was canceled. It's canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it true that your dad put a bottle of Charlie Vergo's rendezvous barbecue sauce on John McCain's grave? I don't know who told you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. This is, uh, apparently, Memphis played Navy in football. And when Navy came to play Memphis in football to Memphis, my dad gave the Navy guys like a deal. And they said, oh, well, next time you're, if, next time they play, if they come to Annapolis, come, we'll show you around. My dad took him up on that. They gave us a tour of the campus. We're killing time before a football game. And uh, and John McCain had died the week before. And, uh, there was like a crowd of people in the cemetery. And was, what's going on over there? And was, uh, was Senator McCain was buried. <laughs> and apparently John McCain had been a customer. My okay, dad, he'd been to the rendezvous. Yeah, my dad felt he needed to pay his respects. But there's no like, uh, you know, we're, gonna go, we're killing time before a football game. We're not going to go buy flowers. So... Hey, put a bottle of barbecue sauce <laughs> in John McCain's grave. And he left it in the bottle, which is the most respectful way to put somebody's Absolutely. barbecue sauce in somebody's grave. <laughs> Absolutely. He didn't dump it out and marinate them, you know. <laughs> and he, I, I think we got, like, I'm pretty sure we got a couple Instagram followers to the restaurant's Instagram. After that, you know, like. there, there's so many weird, like, cultural intersections that have come through. Like, uh, uh, I think September before last, uh, an x-men comic came out where it came out that wolverine was a big fan of the ribs oh my god you posted that right yeah of the ribs that the rendezvous specifically yeah, yeah. like they like they said don't worry they'll fedex them to you overnight because <laughs> uh, he was like making a list of things he wanted from uh, kitty pride to bring him back to some island he was on and it was like it was like canadian whiskey and like ribs, ribs. from the, the Charlie Vergos yeah, rendezvous. Don't worry, they'll, fe they'll FedEx them overnight. Too. They'll FedEx them. Here's the link. It's like if we had like done embedded advertising, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it's we like. It said. sounds like clumsy product placement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why is it called the rendezvous? Uh, I guess it's, it has something to do with like, I guess if my granddad was in, starts getting the idea of doing, having a restaurant while he's in Paris, you know, uh, that there's probably French. Yeah. yeah. That contributes to the Cajun to the Cajun <laughs> affectation that I that I'm sort of tasting around the around the rendezvous. Um, oh. How do you when you're in Memphis? Obviously, everyone knows. I remember I, it was a while. I knew you in Chicago, and it was a while before I knew this about you. And it sounds so insane. Where someone goes, you know, Charlie Virgos, uh, he's the heir to a barbecue fortune, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's called the restaurant's called the Charlie Virgos Rendezvous. Well, I mean, okay, hey, the word fortune is like, I mean, we're it's not, yeah, we're yeah. comfortable, but it's like, it's, you know, it's the kind of shit where it's like, I'm going to be working until I, until for most of my life. You know? All this discussed and more in the album, Barbecue Rich. <laughs> you know, but like, uh, but yeah, well, I mean, I kind of wanted to do, that was kind of also the reason, because I wanted to do stand up when I was like 15. Yeah. I, I started like making notes and stuff, but like. I didn't want to there, and there was a club at the time in Memphis, uh, but I didn't want to be going out there because like people and all of a sudden get back to, you know, because also when you're like 15 and writing stand up, it's bad and it's about what you think sex is, yeah, and it's about like, <laughs> you know, it's you making a lot of stuff that you would be canceled, saying a lot of stuff you'd be canceled for just because, sure. and which is also why I'm very happy I went to like a very diverse high school because you get all your cancelable opinions out early. <laughs> um, and and like you learn quickly and so, so but here in your hometown you did you felt that attention on you obviously yeah and so like that's why I started I mean I did it once here but then I went I was doing it in New Orleans in college and then I would you know, do it 
And like I, I didn't, my parents didn't see me do stand. Didn't know I, they didn't know I was doing it for a year and a half. Yeah, they didn't see me do it until I was about four and a half years in. My sisters didn't see me do it until I was about seven years in. That's great. Yeah, and I think that's the way to do it. Me too. Yeah. Now, um, but how? When are you telling people about your uh, odd background? That's not comparable to anyone else's background. In Chicago? Or? I don't know. Like, wh- at what point in a friendship and a scene membership do you sort of start bringing up? When do you do? When you didn't do many jokes about it i remember like you would kind of skirt around it like yeah i know it's, it's a big chunk of thing to explain so sometimes you'd be like i worked in a restaurant for a while and uh yeah, just- it, yeah the, the that's why i was happy about the barbecue rich bit because like I, it was a bit i tried to write tw- 10 times yeah you know um but it was so much exposition and like that's the that's one thing you kind of develop later as you get better in kind of is the on and the as way you get jokes. more stage as you get more stage time too like yeah, you need an hour almost is the on the way jokes you know like yeah. the 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 jokes that give the audience a little bit of sugar for paying attention while you get to the main punchline yeah you're trying to get the, all this information out you know and there's also just like I was also so close to it that like you know uh, I didn't know exactly how much I needed to explain. Um, and then, and so, like, it would come out, I would talk about Memphis. Yep. Uh, and it, so it would just come up, like, it would come up when I would be talking to other comedians, when I was just tell, telling stories, you know, because, like, because also, like, you know, because famous people come in, I got, I have stories about, like, you know, Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's pictures, What's the Bill Cosby there's, story? There's a picture of Bill Cosby holding me when I was a baby. Like, <laughs> Cause he used to come out and like uh, get tore up with the waiters drinking uh, on on the parking garage, the round on the roof of the parking garage. Uh, you know, he would come in and get hammered on like moonshine. <laughs> like uh, my uncle would hook him up with moonshine. Um, and actually, like in like 2015, my dad got a call from him. Bill Cosby. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. After like after. Because, Is that after? Okay. So apparently him and my uncle used to have a bet that every time Temple played Memphis, if uh, Memphis won, he'd send about $100 worth of cheesesteaks from Philadelphia. And if Temple won, we'd send him $100 worth of ribs. And Temple's playing Memphis in football. Um, uh, Bill Cosby called up looking for my – I, I guess he was just going through a Rolodex looking for people who would still talk to him. And he was like, well, maybe, maybe you know, my uncle would talk to him. And, uh, and he's – the and, like, and so my dad answered. He's, he's like, uh, he's like, hey, is, is Nick there? He's like, no, this is his brother John. He's like, John, it's Kaz, <laughs> Bill Cosby. <laughs> and the uh, news had broken. The news had already broken. He yeah, knew? yeah. Wow, wow. And, uh, but he hadn't like gotten convicted or anything. Yeah. He, like, uh, and and so like he uh, I was like, well, you know, me and your brother used to have that bet. And you know, whenever Temple played Memphis, I was wondering if I would take it up. And I was like, "Well, I, yeah, sure." And then my dad said he started doing his act over the phone. Yeah, Bill Cosby. Yeah, <laughs> my dad's not a easy laugh. My, my sister said he got my, my dad was laughing a little bit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is how he performed. Now this is how Bill Cosby performed. Yeah, so he was just doing his act about one person. And so, uh, but he was like, "So, anyways, yeah." After the game, just call this number. You know, they're, they're saying all that bullshit about me. So just tell them who you are, and they'll patch you through. <laughs> And then, of course, Temple wins, so he has to <laughs> Good. Take that. <laughs> take that, cause. Yeah. And so, like, it go come up with, like, people. And so, like, I would have stories like that. That necessitate you, you kind of explaining, yeah. here's the background, yada, 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 yeah. my family owns a restaurant. And then also, like, I try to, like, 
because I, you know, I, was, I tried. You know, I was doing stand up. I was doing, you know, my own. I was very independent, not trying to, you know. And then, like, uh, I think twenty nine, no, twenty seventeen, uh, the Steve Harvey show was doing like, uh, was doing like a. They get like different food types, and they have like, you know, uh, and they would have like cookoffs. Yeah. Well, we were on it. My dad's like, uh, "Hey, do you want to?" Can you help out? Because you were in Chicago. Yeah, I was in Chicago. Where they filmed the Steve Harvey show. Yeah, and NBC Towers. And so it's like, well, I'm trying to do my own thing. And then all of a sudden, here I am on the Steve Harvey show cooking ribs with my dad. <laughs> uh, one of the waiters came up, too. but like, uh, It's not how you want to get on TV. And by the way, they had us cooking ribs at like 7 in the morning. So we started cooking at like 7 in the morning. <laughs> and then like we had all these ribs for, cooked for the whole audience and there's leftovers and then they shuttled us to the green room green room has like a single muffin between the three me dad and uh, <laughs> domingo is one of the waiters and and then meanwhile all steve harvey's staff is just eating all the leftover ribs <laughs> and we're you know my, my dad's like and he's kind of an impatient guy and he's waiting he's like well so uh like when the producers would come in ask if anybody needed any like haircuts any like uh any any beauty changes that they would check your mic and i was like so when when's when we're gonna start and like by the way they've had this audience warmed up this entire time right you know, pumping music getting and they said well the the show starts when uh steve walks on stage and it ends when he gets off stage so whenever that is <laughs> and then waiting. and then he comes in he's wearing like salmon suit salmon like a coral pink suit and there's somebody about 150 feet ahead of him going, walking, walking, walking. All the staff starts, you know, getting real busy. He's smoking a cigar indoors. Um, <laughs> and then he gets on stage and he had just come from doing like his three hour radio show or like promoting his own line of bacon or like promoting his own suit line. Or <laughs> Apparently he was in a good mood that day because he had like a chef. He has a chef that manages his diet. And his wife makes him eat healthy, but like he was getting to eat ribs and ribs yeah. like his food. His wife is from Memphis, which is why he's been down a few times. Okay. Yeah. Um, Did you guys win or whatever? What's the story there? Uh, well, here's the thing: is the staff kind of messed up the. We gave them the prep instructions, and they forgot to bring the base, so we didn't even get to base the ribs. So we lost by a very small margin, but we didn't get it. It wasn't a fair fight. It wasn't the recipe. No. Okay, right. The yeah. prep because barbecue is very labor intensive. It's hours and hours. Obviously, yeah. that's part of the deal. Yeah, and also ours is ours is like base is vinegar based, and they didn't get the basting solution. So, okay. Yeah. So it just wasn't it wasn't the recipe. No. But you did lose. Yeah. But it wasn't your product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and people liked it. People still like it. It's still and good. And afterwards, Steve Harvey said private lose. I don't care what they say. Y'all got the best ribs. Oh yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, also, he like would go also go on these tangents. Like, if I don't, you ever seen the Steve Harvey show? No. It's it's edited. You know, it's network television. But he'll like he'll say something like like cut tape, and then he'll just say a bunch of like. Go on a very profane rant. Oh wow! <laughs> or like he'll to get the crowd going, or for fun, or yeah, or he'll like he'll like he accidentally said the word midget, and he's like, "Wait, cut tape on that." It's like uh, I, I, they they didn't like it. They don't like it when I say the word. I didn't know we weren't calling them midgets no more. Like, then <laughs> <laughs> they told me it's like that's what. Well, that's like if we called you the M word, I'm like the fuck it ain't. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that's what he, that's what he says. Like you think you short now. <laughs> So like uh, yeah. What uh, would you have someone order at the rendezvous if they're coming through Memphis? Uh, one meal. 
I mean, the the thing, the specialty is the ribs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, small order ribs, the beans and slaw, uh, cheese and sausage plate appetizer. Cheese and sausage plate. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Pic- well, charcuterie. Uh, my favorite thing though is like just pickles with the seasoning on them, but um, yeah, it's uh, at, 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 that's like that's the that's the girl that brought us you know yeah the ribs yeah what's the uh what's the special pickles what's the deal with that what's oh the deal they're there? just uh, they're just pickles and then you put the barbecue dry rub on them various pickled vegetables though not not no, it's just pickles pickle pickles yeah okay. i don't i just i would just go there as a kid and just eat pickles <laughs> <laughs> um and then like uh but i mean uh i don't think we were the first to do barbecue nachos but the barbecue nachos are kind of fun is it like what kind of meat is on top of the nachos? Pork, pork or chicken. But pork, and pork chicken. is the, is the is like with the Memphis, but then people don't eat pork. So, um, yeah, Memphis. Like we, this, this is where you, we. Uh, this wasn't the rendezvous. Uh, this is where barbecue pizza was invented. This is where yeah. we got barbecue spaghetti. Gross. You know, uh, barbecue tofu nachos. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Elvis liked the barbecue spaghetti. You know? <laughs> of course he did. That sounds that sounds like something that Elvis invented. It's Coletta's barbecue yeah. <laughs> spaghetti. Yeah. Um, and there is some vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian, but there's some vegetarian options. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Greek salads and uh, red beans and rice. That's uh, that's another Cajun influence, I guess. There you go. Yeah, yeah red beans and rice. Yeah. Um, um, how how long have you been doing this? By the way. Uh, since uh, October, I guess. Like this is like this is like the twelfth, thirteenth, probably. Are you like waking up with the sun? I was if I'm if I'm on the road I definitely do yeah, yeah wake up with the sun um, if I'm crossing with somebody then I just wake up you know I saw, I saw you take a, picture, a bunch of pictures out like national parks and shit yeah that was August that was a that was like a just independent of this road trip but yeah. we went to twelve or thirteen national parks throughout August and that was incredible yeah. I got to go back there like it is a little odd because there's no one to talk to yeah. okay like this is kind of a fun thing where I'm like I'm like seeing people instead of seeing the sights like I'm just like. Well, what the hell has Charlie Virgos put up to in Memphis? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. The two I listen to, it seems like you're actually catching comedians in their real lives. It's so cool, rather yeah. than what the, like their artifices that they built up in their scenes. Yeah, and there's like there's there's themes developing. Yeah, right. Like yeah, like displaced comedians, comedians who quit, mm-hmm. and there's people who I've just met, and that's cool too. Yeah. Um, you're taking a gamble if they can talk or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, but even comedians you take a gamble if they can talk or not for an hour in this format. You yeah, know what I mean? It's not yeah. the same, not exactly. It's a good bet that they can talk for an hour, but not always. <laughs> um, but yeah. like, yeah, I'm trying to, to get some randos on here as well, but I do like just talking to people about things that aren't comedy. Also, I like to have at least like one hook that's not comedy. So we're not just like riffing or like yeah. talking oh, about no, how you like, started. I think like comedians, like 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 the comedians who quit are pretty interesting like yeah you know, dude like what the next step looks like yeah and like why they quit it's always they always have a very very cogent explanation for why they quit how they quit how they view stand up and it's never like it was never like a, it was a waste I will say of time. I'm very much looking forward to doing stand up again <laughs> me too yeah yeah this is Although not part of the I will say because so <laughs> I did get into a relationship and it was very convenient that because you know, a lot of times comedians will get into a relationship and just stop doing stand up. Yeah. It was very convenient that like I'm going through my like in a relationship would have taken time from stand up away anyways phase. Yes. While everybody else is away from stand up. So yeah, like, right. I got to hide that part of. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, you, she doesn't know exactly how much time it could possibly take <laughs> up. Yeah. Um, and like social energy too. Like every party I go to is gonna be a fucking comedian party. Yeah. Like my brother hates comedian parties. I will say this is very fun for me because like. 
I have my roommates and I have my girlfriend, and this entire pandemic has me being either telling has me been telling stories about my roommates to my girlfriend or telling stories about my girlfriend to my roommates. Yes, I'm looking. I'm so excited to have like third party like interactions, like weird interactions with the subway guy again. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Because uh, like, people just, have been quarantining with their partners. Just let and... me see like a crackhead guy selling balloons or something. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you the know? classic. I mean, the, the census was nice doing that, but like. Yeah, what was your what's your craziest census story? You did the census in Memphis? Yeah, oh shit, there's so many. Like, and you said it was dangerous. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if you want to talk about crazy, like, there's definitely like, like, there's definitely like fights that broke out in the middle of this, like, people like pulled out a gun and just everybody started running and shit, and like, uh, while you were there, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, like that. I had people be like, I had, I had one guy like, I mean, Memphis has crime, and I will say, Memphis is very. I love Memphis, and I think a lot of areas are painted as bad areas when it's really just like three or four intersections with like one bad like giant apartment complex, you know. Yeah. And usually is contained in that. Uh, that said, like, you know, I remember talking to guys was like, you know, uh, he was just like whispering, telling, you know, about like the neighbors upstairs because he doesn't want them. He doesn't want to be seen like talking to like a white ball guy wearing a badge you know government, some sort of government official yeah. yeah um so like that was that I mean that kind of shit's wild but also like oh i, I also like rich people too rich people answer the door so high maintenancely like it takes them so they have to put the dogs away they have to, who's who's at the door <laughs> and then they have to walk down their big staircases and then this one guy he was holding this little dog and i was asking him the questions and like uh He'll be like, sorry, I'm having a hard time answering your questions. And then he puts his head against the door and goes, I have the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I have the pandemic. And then I I, I posted this. This got a big reaction. But also, like, this one time, this guy was just drinking in a parking lot, and he just started, like, roasting me. He's like, that's that's one thing about Memphis. Katrina Coleman is a comedian here, and she put it like, Memphis disrespect is our love language. (laughs) And this guy just started checking my there go that census man counting as motherfucker. You better count that shit correctly. I hope your pen break. I hope your pen break. <laughs> census man. Yeah. Um. And what are you doing? What are you doing now for work? Uh, I am dog sitting for my sister. Uh, she's on a she's on a big countrywide road. She's in Lake Tahoe best. now. It's uh, the best. Smart. Yeah. Did you go to Badlands by the way? Loved Badlands. Dude, Badlands is the shit. I loved we had it. To it. it was like uh, it was like what I. I remember seeing Badlands and like, well, what's the Grand Canyon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's so, it's not that far from Chicago. I mean, it's like about a day's drive from yeah. Chicago. Yeah, and my I was girlfriend so went. I, I try to get like a new state or country every year, and this was this was well. There's no better time to get a Dakota. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, everyone's in in North Dakota effectively. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Up so, here, it's all North Dakota right now. Yeah, um, we rented a cabin, grocery store, grocery stores only. Didn't I don't know what South Dakotans are like. Uh, as I didn't because their grocery stores were very unmasked and uh, yeah. and so we just cooked in a cabin and, like just drove to parks and shit and it was great but like um, yeah but uh, and we drove through Nebraska and uh, yeah which is work but that's what you do you yeah. drive through it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you do in well, Nebraska we stayed, no we stayed at a hotel uh, in Nebraska City called the Lead Lodge. It's an Arbor Day themed hotel. <laughs> Arbor Day. And when you cross into the border, it says Nebraska, the good, pl- the good life, home of Arbor Day. <laughs> uh, 
And like, I kind of wanted to be like some shitty customer and go up to the guy and be like, hey, so where, where, where the Arbor Day at? <laughs> Is this close to the Arbor Day? I, I paid to see the Arbor Day. Can I walk to the Arbor Day from when here? All the trees had, but if you go to an Arbor Day themed hotel in like November when all the trees had fallen and during a pandemic, nobody's there. And, it was, and we had a, an Olympic sized swimming pool to ourselves and a hot tub to ourselves. <laughs> Great uh, rates, yeah. Yeah, that was a good, yeah, and we had the whole restaurant to ourselves, so we actually felt comfortable eating out. Um, how is that? You're such a you're such an insane individualist. Mm. How is it going in a relationship uh, with that mentality? Um, I think one, the one thing that helped was that we met at my album recording. Nice. So, all my shit was on the table. She's already. seen it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think, and also like, uh, like we haven't moved in you know right like uh well, it's like no i have to buy a house first you know first i have to make a six-figure investment <laughs> and then you know like uh and and then maybe we can talk about that yeah right but like baby um, steps then yeah but and, and she's also like she's had like a she had like a previous marriage in her early 20s so she's not ready to like nice you know uh we're ha happy where we are and um yeah, I don't like it. It hasn't gotten to me. So yeah, that's the, that's your thirties. Is like divorces are not are in no way off the table at this point. Oh yeah, no. I mean, also like she like also she's not like a classic like she left him by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. Okay. <laughs> um, no, she's she's really cool. Um, and it, yeah, just. I, in in like in my head, I would always be worried about getting in a wrong. That would be a fear, but it yeah. just hasn't crossed in my mind yet. Fantastic. You know, like she's she's artsy too, and like she has her own house, and uh, so she has like her own life that she's also like not willing to compromise just yeah. yet. So, uh, did you think about moving right in? Because like uh, you're spending a lot of time I mean, together anyway. It. I mean, a little bit, because, like, also, she was working in hospitality in February and, like, lost, and once unemployment ran out, like, it did kind of, like, like, she definitely offered it to me as, like, if I needed, like, she's like, well, you can move in transitionally, like, if you need a place, but I told her, like, well, the the problem with that is, like, I think if I'm, you know, and I, that's, and, but the problem is that it's, like, if I moved in, either it would be bad or it would be good, and so like those are both bad yeah yeah and so like <laughs> why yeah if i think we would still learn each other things it would happen to, things would just be happening too fast before yeah. we got. and so like we don't want to move in and then find out it would be bad and then move out and try to pretend things that, you know yeah oh my god well you can't the thing is you can't go back yeah. you can't like you can't move out and still be like in yeah. a great relationship yeah and yeah. so it was like let's let's uh but you know, it's, I, I have no problem right that's now. new york shit anyway like moving in out of necessity just being yeah. like well might as well i mean like we'll both go broke if we don't yeah yeah that's um, new york she she did uh she's temporarily taking she did bring in two other roommates but like and also i'm in like a good living i have like this is like one of the best living situations i've been in there's like a park right over here right yeah there's a, there's a college right there there's a there's a green line trail we have space yeah uh like it's a nice place nice we have a screen porch reed college uh Rhodes college Rhodes college the alma mater of amy coney barrett ah how about that that's great <laughs> Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. She'll be the Supreme Court Justice for the rest of our lives. Um, what is she? Forty-five. Uh, I'm so excited for. I'm so excited for like, uh, like comedy after Trump. 
I know. Yeah, yeah. what do you think it's going to be like? I know. Well, comedy changes with the president. Absolutely, it does. So, and like, we've basically, I've basically only known Trump comedy, like a little bit of late Obama comedy. Late Obama Trump comedy was so much fun. I yeah. just figured out late Obama comedy. Like, I just figured <laughs> out, I, like, 2016 is when I, st- I came up with the Scrabble bit. Yeah, yeah. And like it was I was on the, like a good festival circuit. I was like featuring and I was like I was like had a little bit of moment. I did Laughing Skull in 2016. Nice. I had like a little momentum and then and then personal comedy wasn't wasn't what was doing it. Yeah, true. <laughs> um and like because like you can't not address it, you know. Yeah. And like nobody But even not addressing it is privilege. Yeah, exactly. And, and they so, can be critiqued from that from that. That's what way. I mean. You, but also nobody wanted to hear about it. No one wants to Especially hear about it. Especially from us. No. Yeah. And lump me in, please. Let's yeah. be I no, I do agree. Like yeah, any point I'd think of, I'd be like, this would be a great joke for someone else to do. I don't care. Yeah, it was just a lot so much stuff happened that I didn't have any insight. That I didn't have any insight that was better than anybody else's. Yeah. I just had also I'm also just a guy watching the news, you know? Yes. Um, uh, who's like not as affected as worse as bad as anybody else, but like I mean, I, I, other people are worse off affected. I'm upset about it. Yeah. Um, so do you think within the Biden administration, it's going to be like people are a little more disengaged, and so they're willing to just talk about other stuff? So here's my here's my like timeline is 2004 comedy. George Bush comedy was when the Daily Show peaked. People were there's a lot of ranting. Louis yeah. Black was kind of the it guy for yeah. a little bit. Um, and so there was a lot of anger in comedy, and then Obama comes into office, and it's Dimitri Martin, Flight of the Concords, a lot of a lot of people tweeting puns, quirky, uh, yeah, word based, punny. Um, yeah. Have you ever noticed that, like the joke about leather sleeves, like leather jackets cool, leather vest not cool? You know what? You know what's yeah. really cool? Leather sleeves. I think I think a few years ago, t- Kamel Nanjiani tweeted like, uh, you know, it's a good Turner phrase, Turner phrase, and then he goes, "This is what Twitter was like before Trump." <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, um, uh, and and then and then uh, and so it was like, not yeah, you know, there wasn't you know the people there was there was always like the comedian who was like you know, who would like have a joke where like Obama was also like, uh, he would bring up Obama's drone strikes and sure, like, oh sure. you know we want like a little bit Jeff okay Asmus. David Cross yeah Asmus yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, it was always like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was always like a good point joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't killing. Yeah. But then um, Trump. But then, and then, yeah, yeah. Trump, which is like, it was just, everything was so charged and like, so you couldn't, you could not like, have you thought about that guy recently? Like there was the guy who like after the 2016 election just stopped listening to all news. He like was some like Silicon Valley guy who like moved to some farm in Ohio. Oh, really? And it's like I wonder what that guy <laughs> I wonder how he's doing now. He's our target demo. We have to get back to no, making I, him laugh. No, I just don't I, I'm sure he was late to hear about the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it's important for him to hear. You know, um so like I, and so it was I, important comedy. It was like, how is your comedy important? It's not. Yeah, like, exactly. Same, and that's like, mine's not important either. Well, it wasn't just uh, if, if there were so many like types of people that became proxies for Trump anger. Yes. So like, I think Me Too was every was everybody was everybody taking the fall for Trump. We can't catch him. Yeah. We're gonna catch you instead. We're gonna catch everything. Everybody who's doing what he's doing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, um, like I remember, I remember just like. Because I took that trip to Vietnam in 2017, nice. and I was in a, I was in a hostel, and some British guy who was on the top bunk, well, I was on the top bunk. Some British guy brought some girl back to the bottom bunk, and they start like hooking up, and like, I just remember them like, making. I was like, they're not gonna, 
in here? <laughs> and then like I start doing, and I just, I yelled out and as I was I realizing it was my Trump anger coming out of me, like needing to stand up for myself, <laughs> you know, coming out on this couple who's trying to have sex underneath. This me is not okay. But there was all, cause there was also like five other like Indonesian guys who didn't speak English in the room, but who didn't know how to communicate to these people. Hey, don't have sex here. Right. You know, so I was like, nevertheless, well, they persisted. You yeah. know, they still went for he, it. He brings a, who brings who's on a backpacking trip and brings a giant jar of protein and a hair dryer, <laughs> and is a guy <laughs> like a, a cis het guy. <laughs> um, okay, so Biden comedy, what's it gonna be like? What's your prediction? Um, put it down and put it down right now. Uh, this is, this is we're, and then we're in, and then we're in, we're ten days from the inauguration. Well, I think I think it's not gonna it's just not gonna be as present. I think you can talk about other things. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just, you just have more air. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, they'll give you a chance with whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it, not every action is going to be viewed through a lens of national significance. Politics is boring again. Uh, I wouldn't say boring. I think there'll be, inter- you know, um, there'll be like, uh, like I, I, there was also like, I remember Obama, like there was some guy after Obama got elected, some guy was like, Man, y'all here? I can't wait for Obama to give me those free pit bull puppies. <laughs> you know? Like Goofy. Yeah, like uh, I, th- I think Goofy will be back. Um, you can goof on. Politics. I think I think a Biden administration will be imperfect, and will I think there'll there'll still be like a little bit of shit show element to yeah. it. You know, like uh, and so like. I, th- I think they'll be like we'll be able to laugh at our like lack of professionalism and like our like uh, you know like oh this is our representative this is this guy who's clearly a flawed individual yeah and uh, maybe we yeah and like we can at least make fun of the president without it being um, without it being important yeah crucial um, yeah and and like as we can have new yeah nuanced opinions it can't just be like uh, yeah you know, I don't know right because it's not like we're forming a resistance any longer um here's what i here's also well i think the other thing is here's the other thing i'm also not sure about is i don't know where bernie people will go online where are they gonna go like like what what their what their path what their move is gonna do that seems so epic i mean i'm a bernie guy and it's like it's the apathy is so real like i mean i listen to chapo trap house and they're all bernie guys and it's like they're riffing on movies now i'm yeah. like that's our thing like so I, I pay can you I, can i ask you this i i was a guy who was very sympathetic to bernie i wasn't i think i, I voted warren uh but like i all my opinions are very specific like if you ask me about like healthcare, like yes universal healthcare is the most efficient way uh but i was like what well, is this plan the best thought through because if and is he the right messenger? Sure. You know, um, here's here's what I noticed, and I'm not saying that every Bernie person online is this person. There's a lot of people who sincerely believe it. I do not. I feel like th- whenever I would post like a status where I agreed with Bernie, the likes would go way up. Oh, of course. And, and he was the yeah. I definitely feel like there's comedians who became Bernie people to chase the likes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Of course. Socialism is hot. And yeah. And so, but like who like, and I don't know how, like, and definitely some, some be genuinely started believing it. Some less genuinely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm curious, like that, that, that's what, cause that was the other thing. Like, cause he, there's some guy wrote an article in the times where like, 
one of the guys storming the Capitol, right, was just a guy at BuzzFeed who would just do things to go because they would go viral. And okay. he just started chasing the likes, chasing in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but he was just live streaming. Flew the whole too time. close to the sun. And so I'm wondering how much that'll still go on, you know, considering like, okay, well, Parler's going off, but like, you know, they're still, if they're still like chasing. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be. I feel like there's still be. A, I think there'll still be a strong left presence on Twitter, and they'll be critiquing Biden from the, from the left the whole time. Yeah. And those groups have already formed, and those sort of like those coalitions have already begun, and pulling them to the left, and all that stuff is going to continue. Yeah. I mean, um, it won't be. It doesn't. I mean, it's going it, to. You're going to lose people, I think, because it's not like there's no action. <laughs> there's <Yeah>. no actionable <laughs> thing. There's no guy to elect. There's no, there's no doors to knock on to get something changed, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing about the right is I feel like there's just so much low hanging fruit in terms of like what to like, in terms of just like, okay, we need to invest in infrastructure. Yeah. Right. We need to distribute the vaccine. You know, that's, that's so much past the COVID relief bill that's real. Right. And I, th I think oh, Biden's on board with that. I think you're not going to get too much, like, that, like, everybody's going to kind of get on board with all these, because the house is just such a shit show right now that, like... Yeah, there's so much basic stuff you can do. It's yeah. like it's like being the good boyfriend after a bad boyfriend. <laughs> it's like, uh, you're like, how's your day? And she starts crying, like, I can't, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, and so I think, and, and I think Biden seems like he's going to be a one-term guy. Probably. So I don't think there's going to be too much like horn butting because it seems like their priorities are you get 18 months of like political capital before you start like having to run for like re-election and shit, you know. I don't know. You, yeah, you are, you're a very well-informed person. I've surrounded myself with people who are very well-informed. I think he'll pass something that's good for the environment, probably not as good as it needs to be. Green, not a Green New Deal, but yeah. something like that. Again, that's one of those like very specific things that with Bernie where like, I think if you genuinely are serious about carbon reduction you can't completely dis new dismiss nuclear as a bridge yeah um you're such a carbon guy uh, yeah. <laughs> uh do you remember this yeah okay <laughs> one time I'm stand 100 standby <laughs> one time i was getting in an uber okay in brooklyn okay in brooklyn out in in park slope or whatever the hell we were by union hall getting getting in an uber from yeah. union hall to bushwick which by train is hour 50 hour hour 15 it was also like 1.30 in the morning. Getting so. on the Uber, getting the, me and my roommate sharing an Uber, and, and you go, all right, y'all, we only have one Earth, all right? All right, peace. <laughs> and I was fuming, furious the entire $7 Uber ride. I was so fucking pissed at you. Um, and uh, I feel like, uh, oh, yeah, it's like three weeks later, I go, Charlie, you remember the time I was getting an Uber and you said we only have one Earth? And you're like, yeah, and I go. Fuck you. <laughs> it was like a cold. It was a cold fuck you from weeks. And I was cherishing the moment that I could unleash it upon you. Because <laughs> I, I would be in bed trying to go to sleep like, look, what a thing to say. I'm trying to take an Uber, you know? I'm doing my best. <laughs> I recycle. Yeah. And you stand by it. You, you offset your carbon footprint when you fly. Yeah. Which I respect. You pay yeah. some... You pay some whatever to yeah, and it's great and i like it and it's it's not a perfect solution yeah you know but like there's there's definitely uh things you're gonna have to there uh, you know i i just it's the same thing with i will expect people out of the uh, in the pandemic is like i wasn't opposed to eating at restaurants i just want to see the restaurant give a shit yeah, yeah. i want to see somebody put in the effort so that if i get it then it's just like a well i guess that's what happened you know yeah. that it's not i don't have anybody to specifically blame you know <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, um, you know, I'm not going to say give up, tra you know, take a take a flight to, you know, a cool place when this is over. Right. 
but like just recognize what you're doing it's burning a bunch of fuel yeah <laughs> you for, know, your, and, for your pleasure and, uh, and, you know uh and counteract it a little bit but, yeah and try to what's the website you can this this be, could be a cool call to action what's the website where you can counteract your carbon there's footprint? a lot i just i usually just google a carbon offset and you you pay, what are you paying to do what's um, happening sometimes like a lot of like with the un they have like a bunch of uh like carbon low low carbon businesses that create credits like so there's like one that turns like and there's like a farm in india that takes pig waste and turns it to energy and like they sell those carbon credits and so you pay for a carbon credit oh it's like the cap and trade carbon yeah. emissions thing yeah which exists that does exist uh it exists in certain countries and in california and in certain and possibly here at some point possibly in the rest of the country but like Maybe. there's certain markets that are cap and trade i think eu is going towards it that way and uh so yeah you're a smart guy yeah um are you also getting cold yeah yeah well yeah and we gotta eat we gotta go eat some we're gonna go eat charlie virgo's rendezvous right oh, now oh yeah let's go yeah yeah, yeah we're uh we're, right. we're good the album it's called barbecue, barbecue rich. rich is available i would prefer if you bought it on itunes or amazon <laughs> uh and listen to it on spotify uh, if you have to, but you know. And if you listen on Spotify, if you listen to it once, then you're required to. If you put listen it on to repeat. it once, put it on mute and just leave it going for a month. I yeah. tried to do that, but then somebody caught me listening. Somebody caught me listening to my own album and like screenshotted it and posted it, <laughs> saying I was getting high on my own supply, and that was that was too embarrassing for me to keep doing that to get an extra fifteen cents a day. But. But put it on repeat. Yeah, put yeah. it on repeat while you go on vacation and uh, just let it on mute. Who cares? Yeah, I've I've, I've been gambling all my uh, album sales on political predictions, and I've I've I've. Oh my god, I forgot to ask about that. How did you do this year? I did pretty good. Well, there's twenty. There was a lot of uh, Trump. There was a lot of conspiracy theory money. Like yeah. the day before, the day Biden got nominated. This is like predicted.org, right? The day the day Biden got nominated as the Democratic got nominated, there was still people thinking there was a six percent chance that Hillary Clinton was going to sneak in and get yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so like, there's like six percent return on investment there. Uh, after Trump, after election night for the next month. People are still giving Trump uh, up to a 17% chance of being president. So you can make a little money? Bear. Yeah, you can make seven. I, I bet I made a lot of money on Minnesota. People gave Trump a 28% chance of winning. So I bet against that 28% return. I didn't even need to take any risk. Then, and that's also why I'm comfortably not working right now. Because I'm sitting on the $2,100. Because you made, yeah, one time during the State of the Union, you... Uh, that was a specific graph, but you I made $2,500. Yeah, you would $2,500? Yeah betting on how many times he's going to tweet. Yeah. Because people didn't realize that he's going to tweet the whole state of the union. Well, the POTUS account and the White House account. Okay. Uh, and there's two markets. There was a market for the POTUS account and the White House account. And the White House the POTUS account just retweeted the White House account and the White House account just tweeted like every line from the speech. But it was way above average cuz people participate in this market every week. Yeah. And so they didn't they would always bet against that it was going to be over 200 times in a week. Yeah. And uh, oh. and so I would just bet all my money. <laughs> so this is not real Donald Trump. This is the White House account. Yeah, they make a lot of money on. Yeah. Wow, real Donald Trump was too much of a was too much of a and which rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it just got it just got yeah. banned like yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So damn. Uh, yeah, predicted. That's a you. Yeah, you were very smart with that. Yeah. Um, all right, Charlie. Thanks yeah. a lot for doing it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Peace. Delicious, dry-rubbed conversation, wouldn't you agree? Charlie Vergos, Charlie the man Vergos, we call him the man, that's his 
nickname. No, it's not. Okay. Thank you very much. Listen to Charlie's album. It's called Barbecue Rich, B-B-Q-R-I-C-H. Do I spell that out for you? Barbecue Rich. Um, Very funny album, very funny jokes. Um, Buy it. If you you like buying comedy albums, if you like comedy at all, just buy some comedy albums from people who aren't famous. That really helps comedy. Um, Or stream it on Spotify or whatever. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Obviously, Rudy Schultz did the logo. Great logo. Hire Rudy for graphic design stuff. He can do stuff like that for you. Yes, you. For not that expensive, probably. Okay, so look up Rudy Schultz. Rudy Schultz. Message me if you want his info. I bet you can find him online. Um, He does great work. Steve Gerard did the theme song. Isn't it beautiful? Wasn't it great? Um... Thank you very much, Steve. His his band is called Crown Blue. Check out Crown Blue wherever you listen to music. And uh, we'll catch you next time with some awesome stuff. Thanks. Bye-bye.